Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross Sections, a weekly podcast dedicated to everything science fiction. It's me, your sci-fi boy, Colin Brandon, and with me tonight is... Mark Botker. Jason. I'm Bill Jarvis. And tonight we are talking about the 2014 sci-fi, I'm not going to call it a blockbuster, film, Automata. Uh, Automata was written and directed by Gabe Ibanez. It was, oh, I guess, also written by Igor uh, Lagareta Gomez and Javier Sanchez Donate. Um, it is starring Antonio Banderas, uh, Brigitte Hjort Sorensen, Dylan McDermott. That's right, Dylan McDermott. Robert Foster, Tim uh, McKinnerney. We'll go with that, <laughs> Irish. And uh, Melanie Griffith. Javier, I forgot. Javier Bardem. It was. Oh robot, yeah, I'm I sorry. Let me, that. Uh, you're, you're so right. You're sorry, I forgot to throw in Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem is in it as well. Um, just in voice at the end. Javier Bardem as Chappie. <laughs> <laughs> the voice God. of Chappie. It's funny uh, when I said I was doing this. Caroline's like, "Why don't you guys do Chappie?" <laughs> I'm like, "Well, still haven't I've seen never it. seen it. I haven't yeah. seen it either." But then she explained how a couple of the people are from a band that did like blackface or something. I don't the know. Antwort. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, the budget for the film was $15 million, which in this day and age, that's not too bad. Mm-hmm. I don't have a box office for you. My apologies. I am sorry. <laughs> Uh, less than fifteen million dollars is going to be my guess. I'm I'm going to guess, yeah, maybe a fraction of fifteen million dollars. <laughs> yeah, probably in the uh, hundreds of thou- thousands. That's about it. Yeah. Well, did um, it get a wide release? I don't think so. Um, let me see. I, I do remember hearing a, of the film when it came out because now we're what six seven years removed, right? I yeah. I do remember hearing of it, but I not like as a theatrical release. I think it was like saw it on the the video store uh, shelf, you know, when it came out or like saw it in the little, the little pamphlet that they hand you like coming to that type of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think it was in theaters well, you know by what? us. I'm, I'm, yeah, it wasn't. I'm looking at the releases and they did one at an international film festival and then they <laughs> released it in Bulgaria and Spain. That's it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's what I saw too. I was like, Which okay. Which is where so they filmed it. So extremely uh, limited release. Got it. I've, I have okay. never heard of this movie. Yeah. I, I just I think they they expect not this movie to not make anything, so they just don't put it in theaters. Hmm. Right. Okay. All righty. Uh, so before we get going, which one of you lovely gentlemen would like to tell us what this movie is about? I can't put me on the spot there. Oh, I said Brigitte. It's Brigitte. Sorry. Okay. In a world where Antonio Banderas shaves his head. And All right, they, I can and, do this. And he's married I got to women, it. half his age. I got it. I got it. I got it. All right. You ready for this? <clears throat> well, Colin, I'm glad you asked. During a routine investigation involving robot manipulation, an insurance agent, Antonio Banderas, at a robotics company, makes a discovery that has profound consequences for the human race. It's automata. <laughs> and I'm going to write that down and then I'm going to put that on Google. And you guys yeah. will see that on Google from now on. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. You're welcome. All right. Not bad. Um, I'm okay with that. Did That's, you write? Uh, did you write that yourself? Bill? Yeah, no. Now I've I've widely released it as the synopsis that pops up on Google. So yeah, actually that's up there right now. So enjoy. Wow. Okay. All right. Um. Well. Awesome. So boys, this movie wasn't heavily derivative in any sort of way to any other film that we've seen in the last <laughs> forty years. What? Right? No. Oh, uh, shade. So much shade uh, there. Colin. Which one? Well, All you know, there there hey. might have been one or two <laughs> hundred <laughs> times I that I noticed. Do I want all of them? No, we'll come about them. We'll come about it as as we move through it, really. Uh, so with the way the movie starts off, it's a, uh, I believe, aside from the text to tell you what's going on and setting up the world, it starts off with a dude shooting a robot, right? Yeah. 
and uh, yes. with Dylan McDermott. Dylan McDermott shoots a robot. Yeah. Such, that honestly just could have been the tagline for the movie. That could have been the, that been the title the of the movie. In fact, I think out of all the shooting of robots, I think Dylan McDermott did it the most. I think I'm going to make a short film called Dylan McDermott Shoots a Robot. No, I'm going to start a band. That's a great band name. Dylan McDermott Shoots a Robot. That's perfect. What what kind of band would that be? That'd be noise. It's a sound band. Sound noise. No, no, but pop uh, punk meets uh, synth synth uh, wave, right? Perfect. Perfect. There you go. Totally. And the, yeah, the album cover is literally just a picture of Dylan McDermott with giant aviators on with like a neon pink background. Perfect. That actually okay. sounds like a really badass poster, though. Like it just out of context. <laughs> that sounds fucking badass <laughs> with like a with like a smoking robot head behind him and a gun in his hand. Beautiful. <laughs> a flare gun in his hand. Flare gun in <laughs> his hand. Thank okay. you. That was well, mm. Dylan mm. McDermott was going to actually be in the canceled spinoff. It was going to be called Die Robot. Oh, um, but uh, yeah, Colin, I don't you know just if that one's your uh, user title there. Yeah. He did. <laughs> that, I one, did. that one's still in uh, development hell, but we'll see if it ever sees the light of day. Um, um, yeah. So then we go to this this movie. It, it becomes a noir story, really, with uh, which honestly, this is my, my favorite bit is Antonio Banderas, a uh, a insurance agent trying to like solve a robot murder i guess yeah it's really interesting that they go out of their way to say you're just an insurance agent and they keep saying that throughout the film but like he's essentially a detective it's really i mean how how could you possibly know you're just an analyst insurance agent okay so an insurance agent is that what they do like i'm just kind of isn't that like a an adjuster or Claim specialist or something well, like that. Yeah, well, I mean, like, does I he give out his card and just be like, "Hey, hey, that roof looks like it could use some work. Maybe you should, you know." Well, no, there's different that. types of ins- insurance agents, but I would assume that he's the kind of like they're claiming, you know, a malfunction or something. He goes out there and goes, "Oh, look, it's not broken. We're not giving you any money." Exactly. Exactly. Oh, oh, your car is broken. A tree fell on it. Well, that's force majeure. I'm sorry, we can't. Uh, Sorry, you can't do anything about that. You know? He walks into a burnt out house and be like, you could live here. <laughs> yeah, I hated the implication in that first scene of uh, that people are doing like robot insurance fraud where they like beat their dogs to death <laughs> and then try to say that that's how, how morbid. Did. Yeah. And well, I hope that that was like some sort of like not real dog that was on the floor there because that was like giving me the heebie-jeebies <laughs> i don't th- i don't think it was a real dog yeah i feel like maybe they should have just done like a botched like painting job and just be like yeah you tried painting the wall pay for my wall but no they killed a freaking dog yeah right <laughs> i told you it wouldn't work well yeah. i really had That's- to like just continuously rail home that humanity is dead and everything that is likable about humanity is got done and gone. And the robots are the cool ones. They just like kept right, like driving that in. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I mean, that's, and that, and that's, I mean, that's like a whole motif in years that like humans <clears throat> reaching the end of their sort of like peak of evolution, uh, somehow evolving into something else like the robot said at the end. So, right. Um, and so, because it's, you know, they keep pushing the narrative the entire time, but not narrative, but um, they go by the three laws of robotics, right? Were those, were those written by Asimov? Yeah. So that yeah. was, that was Asimov, okay. which was, uh, okay. So I'll give very, very basic rundown. Law number one, a tool must be, must not be unsafe to use. Um, mm. So, a machine, a tool. A tool must perform its function efficiently unless this would harm the user. Mm-hmm. And three, a tool must remain intact during its use unless its destruction is required for its for its use or for safety. Those are the basic rundown. Okay, so did they change what rule two was in this movie? Um, I believe that it was the efficiency thing. I think they just kind of threw that out. And then they just say, like, a tool must remain intact. So, like, a tool must not be 
tampered with maybe not, not my uh, a tool can't alter itself maybe i don't know yeah well yeah yeah for sure okay because because uh, yeah all right never mind they were definitely different they were definitely different mm. yeah like the way that at least the way they presented them for the scope of the movie right okay um so yeah, th- that's basically the first half of the movie is Antonio Banderas doing his sleuthing thing. Um, and shit just keeps getting weird and people are holding nuclear batteries for some reason without gloves uh, or any sort of protection. I don't know, it's kind of weird. And what's really awesome is their method of uh, communication over distance is sending faxes to each other. Love that. I love that whole thing. <laughs> um, well, so... <laughs> I think that would have to do with the climate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, that's like the regression in technology is from the fact that satellites cannot be reached or, you know, like or like, you know, telecommunication cable. Right. And radiation yeah. and ionosphere being destroyed, like all these okay. things mess up like any sort of like um, use of electromagnetic spectrum to communicate. So it's like, okay, well, it's facts. Um, oh, which is coming up to my, one of my, my favorite, one of my favorite themes of the movie. And Mark, you actually brought it up earlier, was showing how like humanity's kind of dead already, mm-hmm. and that everyone's just kind of going through these daily, their daily lives without actually like living, as it were. Um, I guess. Uh, that's that kind of I think what Antonio Banderas represents is someone who's kind of just fed up with that per se, and he keeps you know bringing up that like he wants to leave, he wants to go away with his pregnant wife and soon to be born baby. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I think uh, I mean at the end they kind of sum it up with you know I don't want to survive, I want to live, you know, sort of thing. Is that like if you you know Antonio Banderas's character the entire time was basically just surviving and that's basically what he was doing and then when he was trying to really hard go and live you know all of the responsibilities of his life you know came to a head so it's jack jack sorry or jock (laughs) well it's it's jock until uh, dylan mcdermott says jack got it which i honestly believe that dylan mcdermott literally thought the character's name was jack probably i thought they called him jack like throughout Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure. Nickname. I think it's like it's spelled like the French Jacques, but it is Jack. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Um. All right. Yeah. The second half of the movie is just this awesome chase of the dead. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jason. No, I was just going to say, because um, we were kind of talking about the world that they establish here. I think this movie does. A lot of things not so well, but the one thing that I wouldn't fault it for is the world building. I think it does a really good job, especially in that first like half hour kind of within the budget establishing, you know, the world that um, the characters inhabit and kind of what's happened to humanity. And yeah, it's derivative. I mean, you know, especially the, the first five minute sequence with Dylan McDermott and the clear raincoat and you know, the giant hologram advertisements like, yeah, yeah we've seen that before. But I thought it was done really well. Um, and then I think with, you know, the uh, the exposition dump in the the intro there with the solar flare and, you know, kind of telling us where we where we're at. I thought it was pretty effective in kind of setting the tone of the film. And I think we knew what we were getting into at the very least before we were introduced to the characters and everything. So I just wanted to say that because I'm sure there's going to be other parts here that will probably be less kind about um but i thought that was one thing that I, I definitely appreciated with a lot of the old analog technology and just overall the practical kind of look of the film uh the the, the dirty kind of lived in future which is always a trope that i it is a trope yes but it's always a trope i really like i can kind of appreciate when uh, it's done well it's, and i thought it was done well here uh, the blade runner boys and fans and all of us that yeah, anytime we see that, we immediately kind of connect to it and enjoy watching it. Even if it's a, I'm not saying this is, but even if it's a bad production, it's always something salvageable when they try to take that route. I would agree. I would agree. Um, <laughs> yeah, so then we get Sex Robot. Which uh, was Cleo. Actually, she has Cleo, a name. Cleo has a name. Cleo, which uh, was designed by Melanie Griffith's character. 
And every time I see Melanie Griffith's face in Hurled or Age, I'm just like, oh, honey, no. Stop. <laughs> You're not holding on to anything. Um, she just had a lot of work done. That's mean. Um, no, it's you not. say that. No, it's not mean. <laughs> um, but yeah, Melanie Griffith's character, <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Dr. Susan Dupre, or Dupre, yeah. Doctor Dupre to you. <laughs> she says the line twice. Why did? Okay, <laughs> she, especially right before she gets domed. Yeah, head, she says yeah. Doctor Dupre like, to you. What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> so did they? Did the oh the like bad guys just hire those kids to do that? Do you think? Or or maybe the kids were the bad guys all along. Oh, they were the real masters. That's another part of the theme of the movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're just. It's just a Tuesday night for those guys. Yeah. <laughs> the kids are out there running around the ghetto. Uh, I, so, I mean, like, okay, so speaking of, like, the big bad guys, right? Like, this theme of, and I'm, like, jumping all over the place, but this theme of, like, saving humanity, even though it doesn't make sense sort of thing. Like, you know, humanity has had its time. Now this is a new form of life that can sort of sustain the ideas of humanity into the future. And um, and these guys doing, you know, a reasonable thing in my mind of, you know, like, we have to save humanity at its very core. But then you create this higher life form beyond yourself, which has all sorts of implications to it. You know, like, how do you create something that's more intelligent than you because it learns? It's yada, yada, yada. But, like, be being unable to, um, you know, sort of accept mortality in a way so you said you're creating something that's you said you become more intelligent than you is that what you said like beyond yourself you know like something that it, you could never like comprehend or or you okay. know create in yourself you could not design it it designed itself well that's, yeah that's that which mm -hmm. that's also at the core of asimov i believe was mm -hmm. what if the robots you create them to be simple but they eventually evolve on their own, just like we evolved on our own. Right. Uh, what, what did they? Uh, what did? Oh. What was the line? Uh, mm -hmm. Coming out of the tree or jumping down? From oh, the tree or oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I think that was it. Yeah, and yeah, falling out of the tree or jumping out of the tree. Like yeah. your your unit has fallen out of the tree or something. We already yeah, saw that's what it was. a sort of like change advancement in a way, I suppose. Of the, they're like their created robot baby, robo baby, if you will. <laughs> robo Wait, baby, robo baby, robo dog. <laughs> sort of like it's like, it's like if you if you did not if you did not care about the anatomical shape of something and cared about its efficiency, then that's what you would get. Maybe right. that, well, that's what I assume they were doing with, which it yeah. still doesn't seem super efficient. But yeah, that's what I, <laughs> yeah, assumed was. They're making a, a robot bug. Uh, okay. Um, what do you... Um, <clears throat> how much of the robot working do you think was practical effect? Mm. Like puppetry or was it... It was all animatronics. Yeah. I looked it up. Yep. Yeah, so they, there's a lot of CGI in the cityscape. Um, and all, and you know, like buildings and kind of the, the sprawl was CGI, but, um, that pretty much all of that was practical, which I think is cool. Speaking about, oh, oh, you talk about all the robots in general, Mark? Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Yeah. No, you could definitely tell it was, um, practical effects, which I'm really glad they did probably saved money actually doing practical effects to be honest in this day and age. Yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, it, it definitely felt you know, in scene. Um, but I was just more curious, like to what extent, you know, if they were actually animatronic or if it was uh puppeted or, you know, suits of some sort, like, but, uh, Jason said, it's, uh, sounds like it's actually animatronic. I was curious, like, especially in the scenes where they're walking around and things like mm -hmm. you'd have <clears throat> three or four of them walking around at the same time in a few of the scenes where they're actually in workspaces. And I was curious, like what, you know where where those came from like who who did that if that was a uh you know like a 
Boston Dynamics kind of like, uh, oh, well, you know, we'll give you some mm-hmm. funding to like work on your projects if you get to feature them in the film. Like, we just need them walking around in a few scenes. But like, you know, that'd, that'd be kind of a cool thing I hadn't thought of before to like put money into something like that um, to use as a special effect, sort of. Well, one yeah, of the- I was going to, yeah, go ahead, Jason. I was going to ask you, go ahead. No, yeah, I was just going to say that's one of the elements in the movie that I actually liked um, a lot were that the robots were very inelegant, um, especially coming off of Archive, where, you know, uh, obviously a a few of the robots that we kind of meet in that film are very kind of clunky and very mechanical. And, you know, you you can see the nuts and bolts um, literally and figuratively of how they're put together. But then you have J3, which is just this basically person at least with its anatomy i mean it it has that uh functionality and flexibility and and you it'd be hard to distinguish whereas you can tell like in this world these robots are still very functional uh in terms of what they do they're workers but it, it hasn't reached a point where they have that um kind of elegant design uh, I, I thought really the only time you ever saw that was in the robot that the robots create has that mm-hmm. kind of fluidity, but uh, the robots that humans designed and created are very kind of clunky and mechanical. And um, especially like when in the scene where that robot early on uh, self immolates, like it's very like cheap plastic and, you know, it just seems like cheap yet. They, they're um, intelligent and, developing kind of like a, a consciousness, I guess you could say. But I thought that was that was the, one of the things that worked in the film's favor because it's a little bit different interpretation of it since they did it practically, much like with uh, Archive last week when we were discussing it. Um, I think it just kind of has a different, um, a different vibe altogether when it's something that's physically on set or you're looking at something that exists in the world as opposed to like the, we're talking about it, like iRobot, like the uh, Will Smith iRobot where it's just like, cg um you know eyes bleeding you know where where they're they're too they're too flexible they're too you can just tell it isn't real you're just looking at a giant green screen so i i appreciated that element at least because it it seemed like it was pretty grounded that by 2040 or 2044 whenever the movie takes place we, we could be there i think realistically yeah i really yeah oh sorry go ahead no go ahead i was just agreeing i uh i had processed that early on, you know, when they're, they're kind of showing the robots walking around and it's like, well, you know, the point of making them in the, you know, form of a human kind of take some of their functionality away. But then once the movie gets rolling, I kind of stopped thinking about that, you know, as they're, as, especially as they're humanizing them and, you know, making you like cringe when they get shot and things like that. Uh, but then at the end, when they create their their little offspring, uh, like like you said earlier, Bill, that was that was a perfect wording. Like when you're not worried about form, but you're building for functionality. Like that's they don't care about the way that it looks. They're building something new and something better than what they are. I thought that was really interesting. I kind of forgot about it through the length of the movie, but uh, yeah, that's really really cool. So is that why they take their faceplate off? Is kind of just uh, I'm not a human. This kind of mm-hmm. is try to make me look friendly and human in a way. So they're just that's okay. Yeah, big time. I think that <clears throat> at the end when uh, Cleo takes the mask off and you just see her robot visage is just like is just like the ending to say like no longer pretending to be human. Now I'm my own thing sort of identity at the end gotcha yeah that, okay. that's what i picked up at the end yeah yeah could we just talk about the massive age difference between uh, uh <laughs> Antonio Banderas and his wife now i because I, I, I got like i got like father daughter vibes half the time what is it what's her age 39 and then how old is he's like new? fucking 60 something now that is well yeah, he's 61 so i i did want to bring up um that i thought you know, Antonio Banderas is he is a, a good actor. I mean, he he's a good actor. Yeah. I think that, you know, I've I've enjoyed a lot of his his movies and and truthfully, I know he kind of had this like 2010s 
renaissance where he did a lot of kind of more arty movies and he did some sci-fi and you know i unfortunately haven't really seen many of them so this is the first kind of one from that era that, that i've seen and i thought he was really good in this um just in terms of his performance i had some problems which i'll get to before we're through um with with the movie but i don't necessarily think it was um his acting that was a problem i think it was more just the characterization in some ways and, and the way that um, things kind of progressed or didn't progress. But I thought he did a, a really good job. And I thought that the cast, you know, there are some familiar faces in there where it's like actors where you've seen them in a million movies, but you don't know their name. Like that was how I felt about Bob or Robert. You've mm. seen him in a million movies. I couldn't tell you what that actor's name is, but you know, he's always good and everything. Um, then a right. lot of kind of, uh, um, you know, uh, folks where you've never seen them before like i let's say like uh budget bin philip seymour hoffman um <laughs> the, <laughs> the, well, so a lot of those guys like, i think were Euro european actors and then yeah. they just uh overdubbed them with uh american accents yeah totally you could actually see that and i'm sure mark you probably picked up on a lot of that stuff where it was like, you know, the uh, what what their their uh, facial movements were not matching what the actual I noticed a lot of it in that scene at like the mill or whatever by the bridge at the end when um, the guys had the shotguns and they're like, hey, don't move. It was a lot of like, yeah, <laughs> don't move. <laughs> so I kind of hey, had to hey, laugh at that. Yeah, you, you could tell. Um, but no, I, I thought the cast was was actually pretty, pretty solid with this. Not like amazing acting going on by any means, but, um, you know, definitely serviceable. Seen a lot worse. Um, but yeah, I think my main issue with it, I, I'll just get it out now because this is kind of like my big thing after watching it. And I just finished watching it a few hours ago, so it's still relatively fresh. But mm -hmm. I think I was on board up until the car crash. And then after that, this movie just grinds to a fucking halt, I feel like. Um, oh, into the desert and everything. Yeah, when when after the car crash and then uh, Antonio Banderas, like I, I enjoyed his character. I think for the first like probably less than half of the movie, so maybe forty minutes. But there, it just I would say for being an exploration of a theme, like a lot of these kind of uh, automata, android, AI. Uh, next evolution of um, some sort of life form on Earth type movies like they it's well tread ground at this point. We we know mm -hmm. where they're going to go with it. We know what they're going to say. And this movie, when they got to the, the desert and the irradiated zone, whatever, and they started making their journey to the uh, the robot enclave, it just seems so like lethargic to me in, in their pursuit of that. Um, and. I don't know, like Antonio Banderas's character there, or just the way he was written, it seemed like it took him a, a a much longer time than it really should have to like get it. And like the whole scene where uh, Dylan McDermott is out in the uh, in the desert and like kills those robots, like I was cringing the whole time because it's like these, like you got to know at this point, like okay, there's something else going on here, Antonio. You know, but but his character was written in a way where he's still just so incredulous, literally right up until the very end. So it's like that development did happen. But the way it happened to me was a bit of a problem because it, it we didn't get the, the gradual kind of flashes of it. It just seemed like he was so incredulous up until he ran the truck into all those guys. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was like my big problem with it, because I feel like it, it, it was such a, a, a promising like kind of concept and ultimately, I think the filmmakers in, in their minds got to where they wanted to go and they said what they wanted to say. But uh, that that part of the, the desert, really, the whole second half of the movie is just such a slog, I think, unfortunately, yeah. you know. Um, I mean, even but. even up till that end part, he was going back for his his wife, like. Even then, and then he points the, the gun at that, like, robot baby. Like. I've, I I mean, he he yeah he gave them the battery, but he thought he was dead, you know. He saw the engineless car and like thought he was done. Drank himself, you know, to stupor. Like, I feel like he he almost it's almost like he never really even made that like until the like very very last where he's just like, okay bye, you're across the way now. Like, 
I don't know. Like he, yeah. it, it, he felt like a very underdeveloped character. Yeah, no, I think, I think the entire movie is kind of like that. It's kind of like <clears throat> cool concept. Uh, execution just leaves everything to be wanted. Cause I feel like the writing is kind of weak. The development of the story is kind of weak. And you know, we, we talk about the characters not really having any like believable dynamics to them. They just kind of switch, you know, it's like just kind of this like sudden switch. Like you were saying, Jason, it's like, crash the car and suddenly you know like out of nowhere so yeah well yeah like just if you think about like i always like to kind of do that like thought experiment like put myself Mm -hmm. in the character's shoes and especially in this you know like i did it a lot with archive last week where you know if you think okay if i was in um uh theo james role you know his character i forget what his character is named now but um you know you would you'd feel that sense of kind of empathy for these things and it was kind of funny because I, I i made a note that like the movie the the whole like middle third of the movie is literally like ben young in the desert with a bunch of robots like it's just so <laughs> so just like you know because it, it kind of is compatible i feel like with his you know, beliefs on that. Like, you know, you know, you're a tool, you're a machine, you're not a consciousness, whatever. But like, there's that bleeding heart part of me that knows like, okay, this thing just saved my life. I'd be dead without it. I know that I have to get back to the city because, you know, my, my, uh, 25 year old wife has given birth to my child and everything else like that. Like I have to get back, (laughs) but at the same time too, like a normal person would, you, you have to have, have some gratitude, and have to have some sense of just humanity? I don't know. And that's, I guess, maybe, I don't think the movie was trying to necessarily ask that question in as direct of a way as maybe we're talking about it now. But it did kind of make me question Antonio Banderas's character's, like, yeah, development, but also just, like, where, where that character's head was at. You know, there's a lot going on. Yes, it's very kind of complex and the state of humanity and the state of Earth and whatever. But, like he gets all those robots killed basically. And to me, it's just, that's a, such a damn shame because none of that had to happen. Oh yeah. Shoot the flare up in the air. Okay. Well, Dylan McDermott is the robot hater and you know that. So now he comes and what do you think's going to happen? All your robot friends that saved your life and have been feeding you grubs the last three days to keep you alive are now going to get killed and it's your fault. But I, I guess that that leads to that question like okay are you viewing them as an entity as a conscious entity or are you viewing them just as a piece of machinery as a tool you know i don't think that they were really going for that but that really made me have that conversation within myself and and kind of question the filmmaker's intentions there because i don't think it i don't the way it was kind of done let's say mishandled uh, that that whole arc there, I don't think they really were doing that intentionally, um, because it left a lot to be wanted. If we're trying to, they're trying to paint a character in Antonio Banderas's Jacques um, for us to kind of empathize with or sympathize with, it just didn't really work. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, no, I I think I totally agree. Is that like, well, I feel like it's also in. Um... I think you might have said it, but like the state of the world, you know, sort of being part of sort of how he interprets the, you know, robots or the clunkers as they call them. Um, and un- understanding that like, you know, <laughs> sorry, I just want to go back to like, I'm sorry. I just want to go back to a moment with Dylan McDermott where they meet Cleo for the first time. And she's just like, she's so good. She's better than your wife. I don't have a wife anymore. That sounds like a lot to unpack. Let's do that now. Let's just holy shit. Do you no, want to think, say something? I think old uh um DMD there was ad lib and I think it's like, Dylan, calm <laughs> down, it's okay. We know we know that you don't have a wife anymore, but please, you know you're getting violent. <laughs> like you know what she like what what she meant though, right? Like it was just kind of like a turn of phrase. You don't have to like scream about your dead wife or whatever. He's like, all right, all right, say something cool this time. I don't care. Right. Wait, that's already been done. I can't say I don't care. I don't have a wife anymore. <laughs> I'm getting out of here. <laughs> 
<laughs> you never had your wife. You never had your car. <laughs> I mean, I will say though that, like, for all the like, you know, j- joking, right? With jokes aside, like, you can tell that uh, he had fun with mm-hmm. the character. Ooh, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, that that sure. looked. That yeah, looked. Like, you know. That looked really cool. It was Just almost the like, same. Yeah, like Cliff Curtis in uh, uh, Reminiscence. You know, like you can tell regardless of the quality of the, uh, the, the, you know, finished film that he had fun with that role. And at the end of the day, (laughs) if you're cashing those checks, that's all that matters. Right. (laughs) Well, Cliff Curtis Curtis has to pay for his danger Island. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) That's true. true. I, I just want to go back to a Robert, uh, Robert Foster. Wait, why does it say Robert Forster here? It says Robert Foster there. I think someone made a mistake. Anyway, so Robert Forster, I guess, um, uh, he is, he's always the guy from The Thing, right? He's always that one guy from The Thing. That's because he's been in 115 films. I just want to talk about how prolific. I just looked this guy up, and I was just like, I know this doesn't have anything to do with the movie, but this guy just, like, works. He's nonstop working. Like, 115 films, 67 TV shows, and three stage plays in his, mm-hmm. like, career. You know and he's like, not getting the big paycheck from any of those, though. So, literally, exactly. that his, that's his job. That's his exactly. 9 to 5. Oh, he's just just great character actor. Like I said, you've seen him in 115 movies that you've probably, if you look at that list, probably seen half of them. Guaranteed. Yeah. Um, yeah. But and, that's just kind of his yeah. shtick. But, yeah, wouldn't, couldn't, couldn't tell you his name, but definitely appreciate <laughs> his... Uh, his uh gravitas you know that he adds to whatever he's in i definitely appreciate his performances jackie brown he's, he's in particular is yeah what i couldn't put my finger on but as soon as i went to his imdb i was like ah yep yep okay mm-hmm. yeah and the, he's just been in tons of stuff just non-stop this guy works it's kind of cool i don't know i always like that about actors when they're super super have like the super work ethic that's just like insane and this guy has it it's really cool to see oh, i obviously loves doing it yeah and uh yeah anyway so yeah and i thought his uh i thought his character in this is kind of like he kind of does the same thing he's kind of the sort of the same along the same vein of the same character whenever he acts and so it's like that's his thing that's his stick and it obviously fits in a lot of stories um but um yeah, I thought he did a good job just sort of being that sort of like um level-headed, the sort of ground for Antonio Banderas to be compared to throughout the whole thing. And it's uh and like the sort of like, you know, just survive. You've got a good thing going here. You don't have to move to the coast. Like, you know, that sort of idea of like killing the will to really live rather than just survive. Is what he comes back to and what everything comes back to basically. Well, I, I love think that, the no, go ahead, Mark. I was just gonna say I love the callback when the when Robert Forster is then talking to his bosses and they're like, "You had a good thing going." <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, let's talk about how fortunate you are. Yeah, it's funny. Well, it made me think. Like, did he, did did they listen in on his conversations? Oh, <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. I think that the um. That conversation that was just had over the last minute here, that really highlights, I think, my my problem. And, and it was hard for me to put into words before, but I think I can now. So when you look at all the characters in the movie, everyone is so like lukewarm. No one is is really passionate about anything, including the robots. So in a way, it's kind of weird. And once again, I don't think this was intentional, but the humans are kind of like robots you know um and what i mean by that is like you know you have like that scene at the end just kind of bothered me because you have the the robot and i understand that an argument can be made that like okay fine if you have this um sentient intelligence or this intelligence that's kind of nearing sentience or whatever that it's you know the last thing it wants to do is um you know become uh like the the ones that it's it's uh railing against or whatever like you know for the the robot at the end the 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 uh clock not the clock maker what was it the whatever they referred to that that robot as um the the one that was kind of the ringleader in the in the uh the enclave 
Clocksmith? Uh, yeah, Clocksmith. Yeah, that's what it was. So, yeah, for that robot to like pick up a gun and, you know, shoot the, uh, you know, the, the bad guys or whatever that are encroaching. Like, yeah, that wouldn't have been satisfying either, but just for it to like stand there and just, all right, <laughs> you know, I don't know. That, that didn't sit well with me either. Like, within a span of, um, you know, the half an hour, uh, last third of the movie, like you lose all the robot presence and it was just all so silly. It was like, just cheap, like, boom. Okay. Well, who else wants to speak up? Oh yeah. Don't kill that guy or whatever. Boom. <laughs> okay. Who else? And then it's like, you know, they, they have them kind of cornered and like, I, you're, you're like hoping for that moment where like someone gets passionate about something or just like stands up for something or whatever. And it just doesn't happen with any of the characters. And again, maybe that was intentional. Maybe it wasn't, um, you know, it's not my creative outlet here. It's not my film. So I, I didn't write it. I can't say what the filmmakers claim to want to do, but I, I don't know. I think in these types of stories, at some point, you have to have that character that kind of serves as that, like, yeah, like this is the right thing to do. Um, and I don't know if just the enthusiasm maybe wasn't there from, uh, Banderas, but I think just like dropping the sphere nuclear battery in the robot's hand and like that, yeah, it functionally, I think, completed that arc, but it didn't really do it in a way where you're like, yeah. It was a very short scene, and he's like, all right, I need to go find a car. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. Yeah. I think that really sums it up for me. Um, I, as I also think the score doubled down on exactly what you were talking about the entire time. They, I think they were absolutely going for this melancholy between or for with all the characters uh, and the score just constantly reflected that if you actually go back and listen it's just very somber the entire time um, probably even during the car chase there's probably just like sad children <laughs> singing <laughs> i uh, i don't know about um a lot the, the lack of passion you're speaking of throughout but i did enjoy that the no matter the stakes you know the the pilgrims never resorted to violence like even even though they were breaking some of their protocol, like they weren't, they still weren't stooping to that level. Like, I feel like that's a part of the evolution and part of what he had, you know, mentioned at the end, the, uh, you know, violent apes, like, mm -hmm. I enjoy, I did enjoy that aspect of it as silly as it did seem in the moment where like the dude's just like senselessly killing them, you know, as they're like, don't, you know, don't, you are going to harm a, a person and then they just uh, shoot another one don't are, are you are, like, are you implying that dylan mcdermott's character was senselessly killing these robots he doesn't have a wife anymore dude oh. he doesn't have a wife anymore he, he needs You're hobbies right, he, he needs hobbies he doesn't have a wife anymore unpack that a little bit bud time to go hey. kill some robots just imagine, robot I just imagine like the madame <laughs> just being like you want to take a seat over there talk about that. yeah uh, unpack that a little bit well yeah, and that uh, that's a thing too like with with what mark said like I, I i agree i don't think it would have been any better of a film if the uh uh clock tinkerer guy whatever i've already forgot what we said clocksmith <laughs> if if he had like pulled out like two like ak-47s and just started going terminator on all those <laughs> eastern european bad guys i don't think that that would have made a better movie and that's not necessarily what I would have advocated for, just for the simple fact that I think thematically it does fit better that they would be pacifists and that they would try to, you know, lead by example and say, no, we're not going to stoop. I think it was it wasn't necessarily the messaging. It was just the execution of it because it was just so jarring, like you said, in the moment to see like the the ringleader robot or like the other robot, you know, who's up on the bridge, just like realizing like, oh, they're going to shoot the the you know gas canister on it so he just like kind of jumps off and just you know barrels to his doom whatever like i get it but i think it was just the execution of it just left something i think there's a better way to get that message across um than than kind of the, the path they went so but i don't know all right uh well boys does anybody have any other points that they wanted to bring up about said film absolutely not 
Uh, <laughs> Jason, I think he jokingly might have said it before we started, or maybe not. Uh, but it, uh, Antonio Banderas' haircut was awesome. He looked fucked up. Like when, when he was in the desert. No, I mean seriously. Like yeah. when he was in the desert, like his like lip was hanging off, and he's all bloody, and like it was like, damn, Antonio. You know, I mean, he uh, he yeah, definitely he said, had the dedication to that role. That's for sure. He's a method actor. Well, I mean, they showed him the script before he's even done, and he like got excited about it, and he even brought in his wife at the time, which was uh, Melanie Griffin. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I bet you didn't know that, did you? I didn't. I did because I, I read it on IMDb. But thank you for telling me again. They were married for a long time. Yep, like twenty years. Uh, okay, not anymore though. He, he doesn't have a wife anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, think, I think he found a younger, a newer. Oh younger yeah, wife. probably newer model. Twenty five. He, uh, he married Chloe. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which was voiced by his. <laughs> His wife, yeah. This um, is my robot pride. <laughs> Antonio, no. I'm just okay. saying, man, this was a fucked up sequel to Spy Kids. I know we haven't talked about Spy Kids yet, but holy shit. <laughs> he fell hard. Okay. They, they just All took right. uh, Daryl Sabara's soul and put it in one of these robots. And <laughs> so, 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 where, so where does this fall in the... Uh, Spy Kids, uh, Blade Runner timeline here. After I mean, Spy Kids 3D, 2044, but yeah, you know. after Spy Kids 3D, but before uh, Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Yep, <laughs> definitely. All right, boys. Um, I think we're just gonna go around right quick and do a good sci fi or a bad sci fi. Uh, we'll start with you, uh, Marky Barky. You know, it was, uh, it was okay, it was, it was an okay movie. Okay, I didn't. I have no regrets. Like it was, it was fine while I was watching it. It just, uh, like I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm about as lukewarm as all the characters were on their lives. <laughs> I care uh, as much for these characters as they care for themselves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well done. All right. Yeah. How about sci-fi? What do you think? You know, I'd say uh, good sci-fi. Uh, as as Jason had stated heavily treaded ground but still good content and a good basis for a story yeah uh awesome thank you sir jason what do you think yeah i i would have to say um you know okay movie and okay sci-fi um i i thought you know not to like get into the comparison game but i thought you know archive for me was a better exploration of similar themes but I also think that um, that just in general had kind of better performances and better acting. It was also a lot smaller scale film, but having watched them back to back, you know, that that, that would kind of be my um, my uh, my thoughts there. But yeah, you know, just great world building, great premise, a lot of passion put into the film. You can tell uh, just thought that that middle third to the end could have been a lot stronger uh, and there, there was kind of a lot of missed opportunities there. So uh, it thought it, it ultimately got where it, I think, wanted to go, where the filmmakers wanted to take it. But uh, I thought it was a little bit clunky getting there. <laughs> there it is. You guys got it. That's it. All right. All right. Thank you for that. Uh, let's move on to Bill. Yeah. No, I thought it was... Eh. Yeah, <laughs> I just right, didn't get <laughs> just a, just a half-hearted sound released from my mouth. <laughs> um, I'd say it was just mess sci-fi. It really wasn't that great. Um, I'd say they had some cool ideas about the evolution of humanity, but they didn't really delve that deep into it. They sort of like presented it, and like they were, it was kind of like a film that said, "Wouldn't it be cool to have a really good movie about this?" And then it ended. Um, and like, so I thought it was okay. Um, the film it was cool to watch, but I'm not, you know, crazy about like watching it again or something. It was just kind of cool to watch. So yeah, that's how I feel about it. Okay. Right. Um, immediately after I finished, after I finished the movie, uh, I right away jumped into iRobot, um, just cause I wanted to kind of see, uh, how derivative it was in that sense. Um, I would say that iRobot was a lot more 
don't say efficient, but the ideas were more flushed out in there. Even though I would say iRobot isn't a good movie, we know this to be true. Um, go back, boys. It is so 2004. It's not even funny. Um, but the, the the theme, the message they were trying to convey was a lot cleaner. This movie, I think we knew where they wanted to get to and they stumbled along the way, especially after the car crash. I think that is the true turning point in the quality of this film. Jason, I think you were absolutely right there. Um, is it good sci-fi? Sure. I never hate it when someone tries to tread over the same theme again, uh, but I just kind of wish they would have done it a lot cleaner. I think it's the only way I could describe that. Uh, it was a good idea, just wasn't executed quite the way it could have been. But yeah, uh, in terms of it being a movie, it's okay. I didn't hate watching it. I enjoyed it. So there's that. And that will do it, folks. Uh, that is all we have time for. I know we said we were going to do the stand this week. And then I called an audible uh, over the weekend saying I want to do this instead, uh, just due to time constraints. Uh, I think it's just okay with you guys. Can we try to get uh, the stand in next week, though? Might might be. Let's try it. I got a wedding to go to. I have a wedding to like three of us have a wedding to go to. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. I'm in five weddings. I'm getting married uh, at least twice this week. So I don't yeah, know, guys. At least Plus, twice. I got a pants fitting next Monday. Yeah. Ah, the pants fitting. So. Yeah. No, no. I, I could. I, we could do. We could do. The, we could attempt to do the stand. That sounds good yeah. to me. Just so we can get it out of the way and move on to other things. So. Uh, <laughs> just get this out of the way. Looking forward to it. It's just this is a. Uh, it's a lot. So. Yeah, I'm no, it is a lot. Because, so, so. like, you know, I always say, like, I'm going to have more time later on. And us being adults, you know, trudging into our 30s here, we know that there is no t time we're, next week. There's no time gonna, two weeks, three weeks. Gonna, There's just always shit you have to do. So we're at that point where we're just going to keep saying that till we die. Just got to accept it. Yeah, there'll be more yeah. time next week. There's, there's no time. No, nope. there's no time ever. There's so. never any time. Ah, uh, and that's why Andrew and Ben aren't here because there's no time. So um all right that is uh it uh so i guess until next time 